What would you call something that was powerful enough to shake mountains? What would the value of a device be that could actually melt mountains, dissolve hills, cause every steep pathway and wall on the entire earth to crumble? What would you call something that mighty? I call it the most powerful weapon on the face of the earth. The value of it, you can't put a value on that. The power of it is awesome. We use that word awesome sometimes to describe fries. But that type of power is awesome. And we have easy access to it. It's readily available to us and to have that power applied to our lives. I'm going to read four verses here that clearly state what that is. Judges chapter 5, verse 4. I'm reading out of the New American Standard. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the field of Edom, the earth quaked, the heavens also dripped, even the clouds dripped water, the mountains quaked at the presence of the Lord. This Sinai, at the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel. Psalms 97.5 The mountains melted like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. Ezekiel 30.20 The fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, all the creeping things that creep on the earth and all the men who are on the face of the earth will shake at my presence. The mountains also will be thrown down. The steep pathways will collapse and every wall will fall to the ground. Nahum 1.5 Mountains quake because of him and the hills dissolve. Indeed, the earth is upheaved by his presence. The world and all the inhabitants in it. You'd call it the most powerful weapon in the world. We call it the presence of God. Ever since the men's advance at the beginning of October, this theme and these scriptures talking about the presence of God have been on my heart. At the men's advance, I made the statement, the presence of God is the most powerful weapon we have. I talk about spending time in the Word, and I talk about prayer, and I, I talked about worship, and all of these are weapons that bring us to the most powerful weapon, the presence of God. Worship is a weapon that brings us into the presence of God where now we are in the midst of this power. We are in the midst of mountain-crumbling, hill-dissolving power. Prayer, praise, worship. These are a few. But there are other things that also bring us into the presence of God. Tonight, I'm going to talk about three. But friends, I, I encourage you to get in the Word and study verses that talk about the presence of God, that talk about abiding in Him, that talk about being with Him. It's powerful. What is the distinguishing factor in people knowing that God's favor is upon us? And that we have something different than what the world has. 
What's the distinguishing factor that lets the world know that we are favored? The answer is God's presence. Exodus 33, 13 through 16 says this. This is Moses talking to God. Now therefore, I pray you, if you have found favor in in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he, God, said, My presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to God, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then will it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? Why are we favored? Because we get to dwell, to be in the presence of God. How does the world know we're different? Because we don't just speak of our own authority. We get to be in the presence of God. And when they're there, they get to sense something. They might not know what it is. We know what it is. And in that place, there is power. And in that place, there is rest. And in that place, there is peace. And in that place, there is fullness of joy. And in that place, there is help. And we get it. The presence of the Lord. God's presence is what distinguishes us from the world. I've asked this question before. I'll ask it again. How many of us have heard the question posed to us? There's something about you. There's something different. What is it? What is it about you? You're always happy. You're at peace. You're different. What is it? And my response is normally, well, I'm a Christian. I, I My life has been given to Jesus Christ and, and He has His way. But I think a better answer is this. It's the presence of God. You see, because I'm a Christian and I get to dwell in it. So what you're sensing is the presence of God. Cool, huh? Presence. That Hebrew word, if you'll notice the verses I've read so far are from the Old Testament. So the Hebrew word is panim. It's a masculine noun meaning face. Presence. When we meet someone famous, I grew up in Southern California, and so it, it was actually pretty pretty common, but you'd still get excited every time. You'd see someone famous. You'd be at a store. One time I was at a bagel store in Oklahoma, and Paul Abdul was was two places behind me and my sister. And we're like, that's Paul Abdul. She's really short. She's really short. Not like Prince short, but she's short. But we see someone famous, and we get excited. We get even more excited if by some great opportunity they look at us. We locked eyes. We locked eyes. Or maybe they smiled. We're like, hey, you're George Clooney. He's like, he gave me this, this, this. He gave me the this, this, this. The point, thumbs up, points. And he winked. We might get really excited if we got to shake their hands. If we were really opportunistic, we might have take a picture with them or get an autograph. Why? to have proof that we were in their presence. I was at Burger King 
with John Elway. I was here with so-and-so. I drove past so-and-so. I waved at so-and-so. I was working security at a concert one time, and, and it was a Prince concert, and it was an awesome concert. And Sheila E., the drummer, Sheila E. sweat on me because she was going off. And I was like, sweat. And then I turned and I looked and I smiled at her and Sheila E. smiled at me. Not because I'm cute. That's not what I'm saying. But just because it, we just had a moment. It was great. <laughs> what proof do we have of being in the Lord's presence? Let's just kind of think on that for a while. My coolest story of being with a celebrity, and I've got a, a cough lozenge in my mouth, and hopefully it doesn't go flying because I'm about to talk really fast because of the story. So when I was um, 18, in 1988, just out of high school, um, I was working security and worked at a, at a football game, and Walter Payton had just retired the year before. Walter Payton is one of the greatest running backs in the history of the NFL, played for the Chicago Bears. They called him Sweetness. He was an amazing running back. And I was working security. It was the Rams versus the Bears. And so at the end of the game, and I was a hard worker and I was dependable, and my, my supervisors liked me. So at the end of the game, one of the supervisors comes up to me and goes, Mark, would you like to give Walter Payton a ride to his hotel? His limo didn't come pick him up. Would you like to give him a ride? And I'm like, yes. And he goes, do you, do you have your car? Yes. Which was a lie, but... We'll get there. And I go, yes. And he goes, okay, pull your car around and, and, uh, and you can pick him up. And I go, well, here's the thing. Uh, I didn't drive, but my roommate Albert drove. And Albert was working that night too. And Albert's on the other end of the stadium. And I said, so Albert has to get his car. He goes, okay, let me get on the mic. So he gets on the mic and he's like, you know, looking for Albert Banda. Albert, does someone know where Albert is? I go, I know where he is. He's on the other end. I, I just saw him. He's on the other end. I saw him during my break. He's like, well, if I can't reach him, then I'm going to have to find someone else. And I go, can I run? Can I go get him? So this is at a stadium. I'm, I'm on one end of the stadium, not the field, like the stadium. So I sprint down the tunnel, and, I, and they go, yes, go now. So I sprint down the tunnel, and I sprint 120 yards, because the field's 100 yards. Each end is those 10 yards. So 120 yards. Then I go up the other end of the end zone, and I come to Albert. And I'm like, Albert, Albert, you need to get your car. What do you need to get your car? What do you go pick up water pay? Get right hotel. And he goes, what did you say? And so I repeated what I just said. What do you get? Get your car. Water pay. Give me a ride. Let him come. Let him come. Got to pick him up. So about the fourth time of doing that, he goes, are you telling me we got to give Walter Payton a ride to this hotel? Yes. Yes. And he goes, you know what my car looks like? And I go, yeah, it's okay. It's water paint. So he had this old crappy Nova, man. There was like, I mean, it was old. We were praying it would start. It had McDonald's bags everywhere. I mean, it was a junker. So Albert and I go to the car and we pull around to the other side where we're waiting. And there's the supervisor and he sees us pull up in this horrible car. He just starts laughing. And he shakes his head, and I see him kind of get on the mic, and he goes. So then a few seconds later, here comes Walter Payton. And Walter Payton's getting in this car. And so I hear, I hear fans. 
I hear, so I'm in the back seat, Albert's driving, front seat's open. So I hear fans going, isn't that, no, no, it just, it just looks like Walter Payton. Cause they couldn't believe he was getting in this horrible car. So we get in the car, Walter Payton gets in the car and we're driving off and we're waving and we're like, yes! So Walter's cool, man. He's like, hey, you mind if I mess with the station? So he's turning the station and he finds something and he starts like playing the, like the drums on the, on the dashboard and he goes, you guys know I ran the ball. Did you know I played the drums? And we're like, no. And I go, I did. Albert said, no. I go, I did. I knew, I knew that about you. And I did know that about him. And he's like, so he's playing the drums. And we drive to his hotel. And he's like, man, let me give you guys some gas money. Thanks. I appreciate Thanks for giving me a ride. And we're like, no, no, no. Mr. Payton, it was an honor just giving you a ride. So we get out of the car. We shake his hand. You know, he says, thanks. And we're thrilled. And he says, hey, give me, here's my card. You know, drop me a line. I'll send you a picture, an autographed picture. He sent one autographed picture. And since Albert had the car, <laughs> Albert got the picture. So what proof do I have that I was with Sweetness and drove him to his hotel in Anaheim, California in that fall night, 1988. The proof I have is that I know it's true and I have a story. I know it happened and I have the story and I love to tell that story. How much do we treasure the presence of God? Do we treasure the presence of God more than, like in that story, the presence of a celebrity for a few brief moments? How do we come into God's presence? How do we come into God's presence? Jesus made the statement, Lo, behold, I am with you always, even to the uttermost parts of the earth. But prior to that, he said, Go do my work. Go bring the gospel to all creation. Then he says, Then I will be with you. And I look into the word. I see a lot of things. I see in John chapter 15, Jesus, or God saying, Jesus saying, Abide in me, and then I'll abide in you. I see conditional things. So I ask the question, how do we get into the Lord's presence? The three ways I want to focus on tonight are this. Intentionality, seeking, and repentance. Those are only three ways I'm focusing on tonight. There's many more. Psalm 16. I'm going to read 7 through 9, and then I'm going to skip down to verse 11. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me. Friends, do we set the Lord continually before us? Notice the verbs here. Notice the action. Notice the intentionality. I have set the Lord continuously before me because He is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. Down to verse 11. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures 
forevermore. There is an intentional act of setting our hearts and our minds and our lives on the Lord that does this amazing thing. It brings the Lord's presence to us wherever we are. Does that not amaze you? It should amaze each one of us. The psalmist says that he did this continually. Many of us can't even say we do this occasionally. I I did that. I did that. I did that one time in the summer of 94. I remember because Pearl Jam was playing at McNichols Arena. (coughs) And I did it that one time. When we get to be in the presence of the Lord, why would we do? Why would we be intentional about being in His presence once a week? Why would we just do it on, on a Saturday night when we come together and, and sing about His goodness? Why would we do it every single day? Setting the Lord before us so that we can be in His presence should not be an occasional act. It should be continuous, and it should be intentional. When we intentionally establish the Lord in our lives by inviting Him in, by asking for His presence, we can expect some pretty wonderful results. And once again, I want to leave, I'm going to leave the search to you guys to find scriptures. But in His presence, there's gladness, there's rejoicing, there's security, there's, <coughs> there's rest, there's fullness of joy, there's pleasures. And that's just in what we've read so far. Where do we find these things? Where do we find these things? Where is an important question. Where do we find these things? In His presence. In His presence. That's where we find them. So let's go there. How do we come into God's presence? Number two. Seeking. Psalms 27, 4 through 8 says this. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek. And it's this that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Even in our seeking, guys, that's intentionality, but there still has to be a seeking. that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. For in the day of trouble He will conceal me in His tabernacle. In the secret place of His tent He will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock and now my head will be lifted above my enemies around me. And I will offer His tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing yes! I like this. There's two ways. It's either I will sing, yes, I will sing. So it's like, you know, yes, I'm singing, yes. Or it's I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and be gracious to me and answer me. This is so awesome. When you said, seek my face, when you said, seek my presence, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall. He 
asks us. He encourages us. He beckons to us. Seek my presence. Real good stuff in there. Seek my presence. You're going to be amazed. Go back and read just the, the beautiful way he talked about his tent, his temple, his presence, and what the Lord does in his presence. One of the most beautiful and encouraging promises in the Bible is this. Those who seek Jesus find Jesus. It's a promise. It's in His Word. Those who seek me, find me. So friends, why wouldn't we be diligent about seeking Him? And I'm not talking about salvation. I trust that that possibly every person in this room is saved. This is not about salvation. This is about Jesus. This is about seeking Jesus and being in His presence. That's what this is about. This is not about a life insurance policy. This is about fullness of joy. Number two, we seek. How do we come into God's presence? Number three, repentance. Repentance is what? It's a gift. What an awesome gift. And now we see we see why it's such a great gift. It's, it's used to bring us into God's presence. Repentance is not some heavy thing. I don't even care how it's done. Guys, do it, do it in proportion to who you are. I'm an emotional guy. When I repent, you know, there's times I cry. Most of the time, honestly, when I repent, I celebrate. Because I get to agree with God. The Lord showed me an area where my life didn't show agreement with Him. Where my life didn't show agreement with what His Word says and what, what His heart is. And He showed me, hey buddy, I know you love me. But this part of your life's not in agreement with me. And I get to go, thank you! Ah, oh, I repent. I agree with you. I rethink. Isn't that awesome? No, I'm too... Yeah. Psalm 51.10 says this. Awesome. Awesome verse. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. This is repentance, friends. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Friends, if we spoke this passionately to the Lord about our desire to never be apart from Him, we'd never be apart from Him. If we were this passionate about calling to him, going, Lord, I can endure a bunch. I just can't endure being outside your presence. I can't do endure being a, apart from you. I, I can't stand to be away from the Holy Spirit. Our lives would be a whole lot better, guys. We'd live our lives in his presence. James 4.10 says this, do what in the presence of the Lord? Humble ourselves. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord. Repentance. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and He will exalt you. Isn't that awesome about God? It doesn't say humble yourselves 
Repent in the presence of the Lord, and He will then correct you for everything you've done wrong. Right? It doesn't say that. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and He will tear you down, but then He'll build you back up. It doesn't say that. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and He will lift you up. This Hebrew word for presence, what did I say it means? Face. So when you read that verse, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Only good can come at this point. Only good can come at that point. Being in His presence, there's fullness of joy. We look into the face of of our God with love and grace through the lens of the completed work of Jesus Christ where he doesn't see our sin. And and it's not our sin anyways. It was Jesus' sin. He paid for it. He bought it. His sin. Fullness of joy. Check this out. Psalm 42.5. I love this. Why are you in despair, O my soul? I love this. I love that David and the psalmist, they, 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 there's a whole lot of conversation talking to themselves. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Why are you in despair, O my soul? I talk to myself, so that it encourages me. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise Him for the help of His presence. Please leave this scripture up. Please leave that scripture up for me. We all have moments of despair, right? We all pray for help from God, and rightly so, right? But what if when we were in despair, what if we were in those heavy places, instead of just asking for help, what if we made our first priority to be in the presence of God, knowing in the presence of God there is help. What if we sought Jesus instead of seeking aid? Right? Instead of seeking assistance. What if we sought the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, and we just stayed there? And then we could tell our soul, don't despair. You're in the presence of God. Help is right here. You're in the midst of the most powerful weapon in the world. Just just stay here. Don't go anywhere. Let's, let's get all we, all we can get in this moment. Because we find help in His presence. We praise Him. We have hope. We have help. Repentance draws the Lord's presence to us. I had to trim it. I had to cut this because there were so many other places I wanted to go to. And there's many ways to come into the Lord's presence, guys. But for tonight, let's meditate and set our hearts to do these three things. Intentionality, seeking, and repentance. Say them with me. Intentionality, seeking, and repentance. So, as I begin my descent to land this plane. I want to pray the most hopeful prayer of God's faithfulness over you. 
but it's kind of a long one. So go ahead and leave your eyes open. I'm going to read this prayer and pray this prayer, but leave your eyes open and just kind of grab a hold of these words, okay? I pray an increase in prosperity over you. I pray that you are guarded and protected by God from harm. I pray that God would be pleased with your life and take pleasure in you, even to the point of Him coming to you often so that you could feel the warmth of His approval. I pray that God's favor and compassion and mercy would be shown to you as a result of His good pleasure in you. I pray that God would show His loving expression to you. God is an expressive Father. So I pray that he would show the most affectionate of expressions to you. Even that he would give you the most valuable gesture of his love, that he would bring his presence to you. I pray that God would fix and establish upon you all the things that are necessary for your well-being. Completeness, soundness, welfare, and peace. Completeness in number. Soundness and safety in body health and prosperity and peace quiet tranquility contentment and friendship friendships with other people and friendship with God especially in covenant relationship with him I pray these things over you in Jesus name amen great prayer huh that prayer covered so many wonderful and powerful and needed things what if we could all memorize that? It was kind of long. So we probably have to trim it down a little bit. But what if we could grab a hold of these truths? That's why we'd memorize it. To grab a hold of the truths of who God is. Of what he wants to do. So that when we prayed this over people. When we prayed this over ourselves. That we truly understood and believed that God loves us. And that God desires to be with us. And God desires to bless us. And that these are the things that our awesome, loving, amazing Father wants to bless us with, not occasionally, but continuously, every day. Headlined by bringing us the invaluable treasure of His presence. If only there was a scripture in the Bible that stated those things more succinctly than what I had. Then we could just memorize that instead. But not just memorize it. Believe it. Not just make it a routine. But believe it and claim it and speak it over ourselves and over others. What about this one? Number 6, 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. Everything I prayed is contained in this verse. That's the translation of what this passage is. 
the priestly blessing, as this is known, contained in these three verses, helps us understand what a blessing was supposed to do. Its six parts conveyed the prayerful hope that God would, one, bless you. It means an increase in prosperity. Keep you. That he would guard you and protect you from harm. Make his face shine on you. Smile on you. Express his pleasure in you. Take pleasure in you. Be pleased with you. Four, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you to show you favor, to be compassionate and merciful as a result of him already finding good pleasure in you. Turn his face towards you. It's also translated as lift up his countenance to you. That's to show his loving expression, his affectionate expression to you while in the midst of his presence. That's what that means. To bring his presence to you. And then it says, and give you peace. That word is shalom, to give you shalom. To fix and establish upon you all the things that are necessary for your well-being. And this is what shalom means. The blessing of shalom, it doesn't just mean peace. It's not peace, dude. Peace, man. Okay, this is shalom. When you say somebody shalom, this is what it means. To fix upon you shalom is to establish upon you completeness, soundness, welfare, and peace. Completeness in number, soundness and safety in body, welfare, health, and prosperity, peace, quiet, tranquility, contentment, and friendship. Friendship of human relationships and with God in covenant relationship with Him. That's what shalom means. The prayer I prayed to you earlier, that's the same blessing that I pray every single week to close out our service. The Hebrew word for presence in the Old Testament. Hanim. In context to God, it means His face. His presence. It means that we are, when we are in God's presence, He is intentional about being with us. It means we're in God's presence that He always gives us His attention. He doesn't turn our his back on us. Uh, yeah, yeah, buddy, I, I hear you. You were saying something about your life. Something, yeah, yeah, I'm with you, bud. I, yeah, I'm listening. No. We have his face. We have his attention. He doesn't turn his back on us. When we're in his presence, we've got his affection. We can look upon him and see the expressions of his good pleasure in us because of the completed work of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? God turned his back on us? Never. When we're in his presence, we get his face. He is present in the moment with us. Not distracted. He is present in the moment with us. And the warmth of his smile, the warmth of of his affection and his loving gaze is solely upon us. Friends, knowing that that's what's waiting for us in his presence, why in the world would we wait till Saturday night or Sunday morning to be in his presence? 
Why would we not be intentional about coming to Him through the various means, the many means of being in His presence? In the Bible, a blessing was one way of asking for God's divine favor to rest upon others. What is the distinguishing factor of God's favor upon us? That we've got something different than the world? His presence. So pray in blessing. Why wouldn't we pray God's uh, presence over somebody? Just to make this point abundantly clear, guys, when I pray that prayer every week, and I pray that prayer every week at the end of the service, what greater thing could I pray over my friends and family, my brothers and sisters, through a stranger who walks through the door, through whoever is here, what greater thing could I pray than the presence of God in your life in a tangible, loving, approving, awesome, powerful way? What proof do I have that I was in the presence of the King? I have a story. I have a testimony. I know it's real. I've got a story. But here's the beauty. The proof of me being in the king is so much bigger than just my story. The proof of me being in the presence of God is joy. Fullness of joy. It's peace. It's rest. It's help. It's strength.